On this edition of Magic Pod Squad, presented by Kia, we get caught up with Magic Head Coach Steve Clifford. Cliff joins us from inside the Disney campus, and lots of excitement starting to brew as the Orlando Magic await three scrimmages and then ultimately the start of the NBA season on July 31st. So Cliff lets us know what fans can realistically expect from his team and also the NBA in general. Important games coming up for the Orlando Magic, and it starts right away with that first contest against the Brooklyn Nets. So Steve Clifford and his staff trying to ramp this team up and get them in a rhythm before the restart of the NBA season. Lots to get caught up on. Terrific insight from Magic head coach Steve Clifford on this edition of Magic Pod Squad presented by Kia. This is Aaron Gordon of the Orlando Magic. This is Evan Fournier. This is Jonathan Isaac. This is Mo Bamba. Check out what's new with the Orlando Magic Pod Squad. The host of characters give you a behind-the-scenes look at Magic basketball. The Magic Pod Squad has you covered. Subscribe and rate on iTunes and the Google Play Store today. And welcome, everyone, to another edition of Orlando Magic Pod Squad presented by Kia. And this podcast is presented to you by the all-new Seltos SUV from Kia, official vehicle of the Orlando Magic. Give it everything. Dante Marcatelli here with you. Got George Galante, Jeff Turner, David Steele, the usual cast of characters. And we are pleased to welcome in head coach of the Orlando Magic, Steve Clifford, from inside the Disney campus. Cliff, you look good. You, you sound good. How, how have the last now almost two weeks been inside Disney? I've been pleased. Um, I, I, you know, I think it's a, it's definitely, it's a different uh, environment, obviously for everybody. And there are a lot of uh, challenges that are unique, uh, you know, for the players. And, uh, you know, we didn't have a great practice last night, but until last night uh, we had practiced far, far better than, than I could have hoped for. You know, Cliff, it's interesting. You mentioned uh, a couple of days ago, normally any scenario that comes up, you can talk to a former coach or player that's been through it. You can't do that here. How challenging has that been? And are you guys kind of all all coaches kind of huddling together to, to help each other? Yeah, I think and I think it's going to be all the way through. I mean, you know, like even, even these these scrimmages, uh, normally in a uh, in a training camp situation, the, you know, the scrimmages are just another practice, you know, with 82 games to play, uh, where these games for our team are three meaningful workouts to get ready to play the, the eight most meaningful games that we've played all year. So uh, there's that fine line between, uh, you know, using this in a constructive way to evaluate where your team's at and to get guys ready. Uh, and then with the added uh, injury factor um, that every team has and the fact that, you know, we're like every other team. We have two or three guys who hopefully will be able to play. They're not going to be ready to play by Wednesday. We have other guys who can play more. And so it is taking a lot more uh, time and thought and energy into just help and what can we do today? Uh, so I've been relying a lot on David Tenney, who's very helpful with that. And um, so far, knock on wood, you know, we haven't had a major injury. Cliff, what do you, what do you expect? What, what can we expect the scrimmages to, to look like? Are, are they, are they going to be like an exhibition game or will it be more like an inner squad where you're stopping and, and stopping and starting and doing a lot of teaching? 
Yeah, no, they'll be they'll be like a normal normal exhibition game. Um, and uh, you know the uh, you know like what we've done. You know, I spoke with Doc at length uh, two days ago, and that's what everybody's doing. Coaches are actually calling each other and saying, "Do you want us to? You know, do you want us to do this? What would you like us to do to help them prepare?" Also, uh, I think the biggest thing, Jeff, as you know. This is the longest these guys have ever gone since they started playing basketball without playing five on five, two on two, one on one. And the level of play, the level of intensity has been fine. The level of play for such accomplished players is very poor. And it's going to be, um, you know, you go back to a normal, those first three or four games of a regular season. And, you know, then you watch game 20 and what a different level of play it is. And that's after, again, as you know, guys have worked out for the majority of the summer. And then, you know, like last year, we had eight, uh, you know, optional workouts in September, you know, and still the level of play was poor. This is, this is going to be interesting. I mean, like uh, our guys are, are good and into it and great, and yet when you sit and watch the scrimmages for such accomplished player – no, it's, it's just going to be – it's a different world. It's a different world. And, and uh, the level of play isn't going to be great. Uh, and so it's going to be – you know, it's interesting just to try to figure it out, to be honest. Hey, Cliff, um, I've heard you say that you've got no blueprint trying to figure out how to get this team ready. What about the medical people? I mean, those people are so key to this, this thing working. Do they have any idea? I mean, is everybody flying by the seat of their pants as far as trying to figure out how to get players ready and how to keep players healthy? Yeah, I, I think for sure. Um, and that's what I was saying. I meet with David, David Tenney and I meet every morning anyway, but we're actually having longer meetings and going over guy by guy. You know, this guy's going to be ready to do this. Uh, like, like, for instance, the scrimmages. We have a couple of guys that – if we were playing 82 games, I would use the scrimmages to help them get ready. You know, we're not – to me, that's not where we're at now. We, You know, those first two games that we play coming back here, those are going to be the two biggest games we've played all year. And those teams are in the same situation that we're in. So guys that are not ready and, – and it's not – we don't have anybody that's not ready because of attitude or approach or they didn't work. It's just the way things have worked out. We're going to have to find other ways, you know, one-on-one, two-on-two, just conditioning work for them to get ready uh, because we need those minutes for the guys who are healthy and are able to play. So there are things like that that he and I speak about. Um, and I think that uh, it works together. I lean on him because he has knowledge of uh, – conditioning and help and he can watch a guy and say look at how he's running or this that that I don't see at all and yet you know from being in this league 20 years I understand things about NBA players that the medical people don't understand frankly because you know sometimes you just got to push through and uh, so I think it works together Uh, I'm very comfortable with him he's been incredibly helpful for me since I've been here and we have a good working relationship and um like I said, so far, I think we've made good progress with the conditioning. 
uh, and a lot because of his advice, you know, we've stayed away from these soft tissue injuries that everybody's so concerned about. And I feel like if uh, the team that figures this out, you know, might have a huge advantage in this unique situation. I mean, if you and Dave Tenney and everybody's on the same page and because there are going to be teams, inevitably 21 other teams that are not going to figure it out as well as some other teams. So do you feel like that is going to be a, a big part of who can be successful here? Yeah, th this is what I told the guys uh, after, you know, talking to our staff a lot. And this is what I've been reemphasizing. we got to try to help them get their individual games in rhythm. We have to be the most organized team and try to stay injury free. And those are the three things. Because at the end of the day, uh, listen, the other part of this is still basketball is basketball. And that's where the game management part's going to come in. We're not going to get to nine guys. You know, I mean, in my, my experiences, especially a team like ours where, you know, I'm just using him because we're playing them tomorrow. We don't have a Kawhi or a Paul George for the last four and a half minutes of a game that we can say, go ahead, go win the game for us. Okay. We have to play well, which is fine. A lot of teams are like that. And at the same time, we played better on offense, for instance, the last 18 games before we came back because we have a lot of offense in. And our guys know that. We can't be simple. We don't have that kind of firepower. We have to be able to run post-ups, catch and shoots, have a variety of offense, which some other teams don't need to do. So all of that goes into it. And then the other part is it's the playing groups, which, again, for a team like ours, when you don't have a guy to just throw the ball to become critical, is this isn't a thing where you can play nine. I mean, I, I could see situations where you play 11, 12 guys in a game. Not only are some guys not going to be in great shape, eight games in 15 nights is a bear, as you guys all know. And although we won't be traveling, um, you know, Look, one of the reasons we played well at the end, if you want to look at it, Booch and Aaron Gordon played huge minutes. You know, as Jeff will tell you, that's the way the world works in the NBA. When your best players play more minutes, you know, which is what you get to in the playoffs, your team plays better. And, you know, when those two guys are out on the floor, we're a much different offensive team than when they're not. So they combine, for instance, I think you can look it up, for almost 12 assists a game between the two of them. You don't get that at the four and the five. And that was a big reason why our offense was better. They're not going to be in situations where we can go out and do that eight nights, uh, eight games in 15 nights. Do you think it can get there? Do you think it can get there, Cliff? Can you get to, maybe it doesn't start right away, but come game six, seven, or eight, can you start to see an increase in minutes? Or do, we, or do you not even well, know that yet, really? Yeah, I think it's player to player. You know, I mean, like, for instance, those two guys, if you look at their careers, they've always played big minutes. You know, Vooch has always been able to handle big minutes. And Aaron plays, you know, he play, you know, he's played big minutes. Again, particularly for us, since I've been here, when we play against guys, uh, the exceptional offensive players, LeBron, Kawhi, those guys, he almost always guards those guys, and he does a great job with it. I think by the numbers, if you look at it, uh, he's one of the top two or three defenders against some of the primary scorers in the league. So in those games, you know, we sub totally differently, and we just mirror him with them 
Um, and so he can handle the minutes. The, 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 the challenge is twofold. One, it's the injury factor, but it's the eight games in 15 nights. Yeah. You know, we're never having two days in between. That's the other factor um, that you have to be careful of. But do you think this re-engages maybe some of the guys that were out of the rotation when this ended? Like maybe, you know, we talked to Gary Clark, the media talked to Gary Clark the other day who was kind of in and out. But now, like you said, if we're going to expand the rotation a little bit more, it re-engages some of these guys that maybe, you know, weren't as involved before? Yeah, well, I think what it does, it gives them more opportunity. You know, uh, see, I think that, uh, and again, everybody has different perspective on this. Like players can say, uh, you know, it's, you know, the coach has to get me into rhythm, not those guys. That's not in my opinion. I, I mean, I've been around guys who are excellent 11th best players because of the work they do on their own with the assistance on off days. Mm -hmm. That's part of being, there's nothing wrong with being, an 11th man on an NBA team. And if you want to be good at it, you know how to keep yourself ready. The difference to me is not, I'm not, I'm just saying that the nomenclature, I wouldn't use engage. I would say, understand who you are and keep yourself ready to play. The opportunity for a guy like Gary, um, you know, there are a couple other guys, uh, Kim, you know, right. Wes, you know, Wes and Kim are guys that let's face it, we've played, stretches of games with both of those guys really well against good competition where they've been a big part of what we've done. So we have guys that I'm, I'm totally comfortable with uh, that can play well. And that's part of this. They know, they know I like to play nine. That's not going to happen. There's going to be opportunity there. And I would say this almost to a man, I think they sense that and, you know, they're working so that when their chance comes, they'll play well. Cliff, I would think that one of the things, looking from your standpoint, um, about being on the campus, in the bubble, however you want to describe it, is it's all basketball, right? It's, it's, it's one of those things. And I would think that the attention to detail, which is so important come playoff time, particularly on the defensive end, um, that's got to be an advantage for a club and for a coach like you that is really focused on the defensive end of the floor. Are you seeing guys really tuned in on that end of the floor? Are you seeing improvements there? Yeah, we're seeing improvements. And so uh, to piggyback off that, Jeff, what we did the first week was um, one of the things that's different and it's interesting, and you would understand this because you've been through it, because there's 22 teams and seven practice sites, practice times change every day. So last night, you know, we went from six to nine. That was our slot. The day before it was five to eight. Uh, the day before that was two to five. The day before that was 9 a.m. and 8.30 a.m. So the one thing that's harder or different, you know, for players is there's no routine. You know, we always practice the same time, obviously, at home. After a game, we practice a little bit later. They come in at their time. They get their shots. All of that stuff is thrown out the window, you know, so what we did the first week was we had all um, the first five days, we had one afternoon practice time, but all either early or late morning. So we came back in and did defense in the ballroom every day, film, um, walkthrough coverages, because actually, as you and I, one of our morning walks talked about, which I've done, 
We haven't done, believe it or not, I'm not using practice time to do a lot of defense. We're doing, we did yesterday for the first time, but we've done a lot of individual defense in practice. But, you know, I talked to you. I t- Listen, I talked to, talk to you. I talked to Steve Nash. Um, I talked to, uh, well, a bunch of guys, guys that played. And I think the biggest thing to do is to play. So we are playing, you know, and they have to get their rhythm. Um, that's where, to me, the hard thing is, is we're, we're more organized, I think, than most teams. We're not very organized yet because the priority has been get them in rhythm, get them feeling good. We've had stretches now. We actually play well on offense and the ball never goes in the basket or the turnovers are very high. They haven't played for so long and they're trying to find their way. So, you know, we started off a ton of three on three. Now it's a ton of five on five. And now we're starting to get into the details of the defense Um, because just like as players have lost their, their shooting, their ball handling, their passing, they've also lost the mental side of what you talked about details. You know, as you know, one step makes all the difference in this league. And right now, too much, we're a step behind instead of being a step ahead. And that's where I think that these scrimmages can really help us. Cliff, does it help that you're playing three of the best offensive teams in the scrimmages to test your defense in these three games, the Lakers, the Clippers, Denver? Absolutely. And, uh, like, you know, I, I actually watched a ton of Clipper film this morning. Hold on, ma'am. <laughs> it, uh, yeah. Room service. I walk over and get my breakfast. Yeah. Um, I said, you know, look, the guys that practice the best, I drop theirs off at the door, knock and come down and eat by myself. <laughs> you know, that's how the NBA works. Um, no, so I watched a ton of the Clippers uh, film this morning, and th- they'll be great for us to play against. You know, they're, you know, Doc's very creative. They do a lot out of different sets that we're going to need to play against. And uh, I think it's, uh, you, know, and, you know, they got obviously primary scorers that you can try to, try to uh, scheme for, you know, Kawhi, Paul George, and then Lou Williams when he comes in the game. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, you can watch that and say, this can be good for us. I know you said you talked to Doc. Have you talked to all the coaches that you're going to play in the scrimmages? Like, have you talked to Frank and have you talked to, uh, to Mike? I know, but I will. You know, I'll call those guys too. I mean, um, I just talked to Doc. I should have checked with you first, George, obviously. But I called Doc since I think <laughs> since we played them first. It would mean well, I didn't. I get, yeah, I get that. I didn't I'm, know if you yeah. talked to everybody. All of, you know. I'm going to do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm smart just, ass. All right, I got. You. Can you get that? Can you get that similar collaboration during the seeding games? Can you can you get some? No. Can you get some help? No, no. I don't. Well, Jock, we need to win by twenty. Yeah. On the thirty first. See if we can get All that right. done. Well, one of, one this. Of the, but one of the interesting things that I do think. Um, is it the seeding games? So, for instance, if you're the Clippers, for instance, the seed, those first two or three seeding yep. games, to me, it's an extended training camp. Right. You know, so I think it's also it's, – it's, um, we're all in different, different situations, you know. So, for us, I still think you have to temper your urgency um, because, you know, like 
Brooklyn obviously is. We play them twice, and we're half a game behind them. And there's a big difference between seventh and eighth because there's no chance of a play-in. You know, if we get ahead of them, we're in the playoffs, you know. And that's the first step towards having a successful season. Where if you're the Clippers, to me, you know, with no home court advantage, how do you care? What do you care if you're second or third? You know, you can't control who's sixth or seventh. So I'm sure for them, though, you know, depending on who they played, those first two or three or four, and I'm sure as they play those last three or four games, just like in a training camp, they're going to want to get to it. Um, and obviously you'd like to win a little bit because it feels better. But, you know, for really the majority of the teams, the top six in the East and the top seven in the West, those games are not – there's no – you know, there's no urgency. Does that help? Them, does that help them more later on? Coach is taking a seat in the background. You see that? You see David? <laughs> coach behind David. Yeah, there he is. I, he, just, he wanted to that's, join that, the podcast. That's Coach. Yeah. Well, that's his dog. That's David's dog, Coach. He's oh. my guy. <laughs> is is well, it? Better? Got a question? Let him jump in. <laughs> it's probably better than mine for sure. He'll probably uh, speak, but it won't be anything that uh, you want to answer. <laughs> Was that so? Is it better to so? Is it is it more of an advantage to them to have these three or four games to kind of ease into when the playoffs start, or is it better to be something in a situation, Cliff, like we are, where we we need to ramp up quicker? It's going to be a better better for them, right? Later on, I think so. You know, just because again the health factor, um, you know, I mean, they just have longer. Yeah. You know what I mean? You get more reps. I mean, they're going to have days where. Um, you know, they can go in and just have skill days, which is important. You know, like today, we have a day off, you know, and our practice time today was from five to eight. So it's an optional shooting day, as you guys know, just like we do on the road. And I would be, you know, we've got 16 guys here, and I would be shocked if they, almost all of them didn't go over and shoot. So, yeah, you, you, you're going to see, I think you'll be, I, I don't want to say this in a negative way, but the level of play, these guys, as good as they are, think about it. Again, I mean, I mean, Jeff would be able to say, you guys are used to having a ball in their hands almost every day yeah. and playing so much. And they just went, whatever, 11 or 12 weeks where the most they were able to do is one-on-O in the arena. So some of them are in decent physical condition, but not even close to what they would be at in a normal training camp. Not close. Steve, have you and the guys, have y'all been able to uh, to set foot in the actual game sites and see how that's different from maybe where your practice is? Because it looks like you're in a ballroom uh, for most of your practices, which is quite different than being in an arena. You know what? We're go- it's, it's interesting you say that. We, we have uh, – they start that today, and I'm actually – we're going over with uh, – I'm going over with Jeff Weltman and Becky Bonner. Uh, at 2.45, we have the three to four, and they've set up different groupings so that you can go in there and see everything from locker rooms to uh, – you guys might have seen the benches are different, the way we're going to sit. Uh, there's going to be distancing. Um, you know, they're going to be playing uh, crowd noise and things like that, and then the cameras are everywhere. So um, – we're going to do that today. I will say this. What the NBA did with the practice sites, incredible. Just, I mean, seven sites. Um, they brought 
you know, our, our floors are here. Last night we practiced in a practice facility that had the Miami floor and the Indiana floor. Everyone has a weight room that are all brand new equipment, really nice, just uh, amazing. Really, the, the organization, organization and the detail of the whole thing uh, hasn't been incredible to see, but the practice facilities are, I mean, terrific. What the NBA has done with these arenas, from what we've been told, we've all been on Zoom meetings with the NBA, the broadcast group. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it, 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 it was, it's mind-blowing uh, when we're hearing what they're planning. It sounds like these arenas are sort of, uh, sort of like broadcast studios. I mean, uh, they've set it up because there's no fans um, to, to really be a, a, just a brilliant television event. So, it, you know, it's going to be a combination of incredible technology and the greatest athletes in the world. And I think it's going to be must-see television. And uh, uh, do you guys talk about that? I mean, I, you're focused on getting the games ready, but being a part of something historical like this in so many different ways has to be exciting. Yeah, no question. Even uh, this morning, I actually went over uh, – we have – every team has their own, like, meeting room, breakfast – you know, meal room kind of thing. And uh, – there were four or five guys in there and they were actually talking about that, you know, that, I mean, every, listen, people are craving for sports to watch on TV and they know it. And uh, no, it's, it's, it's a great opportunity. Look, for the majority of guys on our team is we don't have many people who have experienced playoff success. You know, T Ross in Toronto, I think played in the Eastern conference finals, maybe twice. Um, DJ's been on a couple teams that got to the second round. And except for that, uh, you know, and this to me, there's never been a more level playing field, you know, just because of the situation. So usually going into the playoffs, if you look at last year, we were playing at a really high level, you know, for a team that was seated seventh. But you knew, you know, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Toronto were playing great basketball going into the plus. You know, they're in the same situation that we are. And uh, that makes it an opportunity, especially for a team like ours, who that when we are organized and we're locked into details, we are hard to play against. And the guys know that. Um, and again, I've loved our attitude and our approach about working towards it. And a reminder, this podcast presented to you by the all-new Seltos SUV from Kia, official vehicle of the Orlando Magic. Give it everything. Just a couple more minutes for you, Cliff. Maybe a couple of guys, uh, if we could spotlight. There's so much interest in Jonathan Isaac. And again, we don't know a couple weeks from now, a month from now, what that looks like. But how great has it been to have him back around the guys, around the team? And, and what does he look like that, that you can tell us? Oh, I, I think that he's done everything that he can. First of all, it is good just to have him around. Um, but I think he's done everything that he could do uh, to give himself a chance to play. Now, he's, you know, he's, you know that we're, we're restricting practice. He does a lot of it. Um, he can't do all of it, uh, especially when we start to do contact. And they're being very careful, and rightfully so. So... I think he's in a good place. Like I said, he's a, he's a terrific worker. Um, it would be great if he could play, but I mean, you know, he's such a big part of our future that we also, we have to be mindful of, 
you know, his help and, and, and uh, how much we need him going forward also. You know, you guys were the best offense, the most efficient offense since the All-Star break. So it was tough to see the stoppage for so many guys. But Cliff, don't you think a guy like Michael Carter-Williams, he was in such a zone and you felt for him that it would kind of come to an end the way it did. How's, how's he looked and, and what, what can you possibly expect from a guy like that? Uh, he's practiced really well. I mean, he was – we have a number of guys who – uh, took full advantage of the time in Orlando when they could come and work out every day. And, uh, you know, he looks really good physically. Uh, he has shot the ball well. He's continued to shoot the ball well, which is one of the things he was doing in that, uh, in that stretch. Um, and I think he's in, a, he's in a good place. And obviously, I mean, defensively, he's a difference maker. You know, I mean, uh, he's uh, – and I've been around great defenders. I mean, he is a great individual defender. He's a great pick and roll defender and he's an excellent team defender. So, uh, you know, but I, I would say he's been one of the guys that stood out here as a bright spot in terms of uh, playing well. All right. Last thing, Cliff. And, and, okay. and sir, oh no, go ahead. Go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead, JT. Well, I just thought, you know, I, we wouldn't be one of the top-rated podcasts in the nation, Cliff, if we didn't have a source uh, within the bubble. We have people. <laughs> right. So our, our source, who, by the way, swims every morning at 6 o'clock, <laughs> says that Steve Clifford is always in the weight room at 6. He's got it yeah. locked up. So we know that's part of your routine. It's a day off. Is Steve Clifford going fishing today? Is he going golfing? What, what, what does an off day look like? For Steve Clifford. The other off day, I actually golf. You sent me to. I actually golf. <laughs> I don't think anybody in the history of golf has lost more balls in eighteen <laughs> holes at the pond than I did. If they, listen, if there were trees or water, I was going to get one or the other off the tee. <laughs> um, I will say this: Ty Corbin is both long and straight off the tee. He played from the. He can. He crushes the ball. Um, today, though, I actually. Uh, you know, I've got a lot, you know, more. I did some Clippers. I'm finishing up some Toronto stuff later. Um, I have a thing I have to do after, not nearly as important as this. Uh, <laughs> and then after talking to George, I've got to make sure I call Frank and Mike Malone to figure out. <laughs> no, this is good because it gets me back into rhythm because you guys may not know this. Usually in the mornings before shoot around, George will come in and say, what are we covering today? And these are the things <laughs> offensively you have to have ready for tonight. So <laughs> it's, right. it's uh, yeah. So, no, this is good. I feel I'm trying. Hey, look, coach has got to get back into rhythm too, you know? Everybody knows their role. I know my role. I got to get you in line. Hey, That's right. Hey, Cliff, has, uh, has, has George ever hit on the topics you need to know going into a scrum? <laughs> oh, no, no. He knows. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Listen. No. That's one thing is when, when I got hired to come back, Stan called me and said, on game days, George is coming in about 9.45. So, you know, like, he's been helpful. He's been helpful. And uh, listen to him, you know. Oh, boy. Doesn't it look like JT's at Briar Patch right now? It does. Nice it does. Get the blueberry waffles. You guys have all these great offices with your memorabilia. <laughs> I work out of the dining room, man. That's what I do. <laughs> Where I am. I'm in my dining room. 
that's good. Hey, Cliff, last thing, and this is definitely the most important thing, but, but I, I know you've done such a great job on touching on all this, and it's, and it's very difficult to, to keep up with everything, but uh, the social unrest and, and the social injustice that, that's gone on in this country continues to go on. You had some great words uh, on hero John Lewis a couple of days ago, but uh, the, the opportunity you all have to continue that message as you play these games in these next couple of weeks. I, I know you take great pride in, in being able to move that conversation and, and really play a part in getting substantive, you know, substantive change in regards to this issue. Yeah, and I, I think there's, there's many aspects of that, but we're working very closely as a, um, you know, all the coaches, the 30 head coaches with our staffs, and actually – um, you speak of John Lewis, like tomorrow, our practice time is not till seven and we're watching a documentary on him as a team at two. Um, and I know you guys know this, but you know, he's just, he's one of the most inspirational, uh, men of integrity, courageous, um, you know, I, I mean, people of our time, one of the great leaders. And I do think that there is a part of this that starts with just education you know, for all of us. And uh, with our coaches association, Brian Stevenson is working with us. And that's his big emphasis is it starts with education for everybody. Um, because we have to understand our past before we can clarify what changing it is. And that's something that as a country we've never done. And that's what we're trying to do. Um, I think that, you know, one of the things that our players understand is, you know, with our work with um, Desmond Mead and the Florida Rights Restoration uh, Organization Coalition, um, you know, wearing those T-shirts when we came down here with Desmond's slogan, uh, get off the bench, right. get into the game and vote. And what a big impact that had locally here, but also nationally. I mean, that was shown uh, in China. Um, and so I think it gave them an understanding of what a big impact they can have. Michael Carter-Williams uh, did a virtual uh, forum right. the other night with Mayor Demings, uh, Chief Verlone, and, and Sheriff Mina that went over very big. And we have a number of guys, actually the majority of them, who understand that this is a time uh, that we all, again, to me, you're either in or you're out. You know, uh, it's not it's not time to be neutral is you're either going to try to make things better in our country, uh, which is what I think our group is committed and our organization is you guys. We are we are organized uh, and committed to do it or, or you're not. And I think our guys are, are I want to say excited. I think they're determined to be part of that. Um, we are working uh, with Linda Lehman Gonzalez, who's an incredible resource uh, and understands uh, Orlando, you know. And so we are constantly uh, investigating otherwise that ways that we can get involved. You know, we're, we're trying to work on the voting piece with Desmond. Um, and obviously, you know, if you guys haven't ever spoke with him, an incredible resource and he did a Zoom call with our players that they're still talking about. Just an incredible man uh, that just he's all about helping other people and helping our state and helping Orlando. But we have a couple other grassroots organizations that Linda and I have done a lot of resource. We talked to a lot of people. Uh, we want to be involved in education reform locally in Orlando. I think that 
One of the things that we've talked about, I've talked to the guys and Linda and I've talked about is, for instance, um, curriculum, you know, which is a lot starts at the state level. Uh, but the fact that in most places, and it doesn't matter, you know, what the community is, you know, we don't study black history. Uh, you know, I mean, think about it as I, I would think in most places, maybe there's an elective your junior or senior year where maybe you take a, you take an eight week course. Um, so, I mean, one of the things that, that we're looking into is trying to be involved in changing that because as you guys know, we want to help in the communities. There, there, there are a lot of programs. The magic do a lot already. If you, you know, we met with both mayors, the mayors, they have programs that are terrific about trying to help uh, the communities get better. But at the end of the day, we have to change the rules. We have to change the policies, the procedures, and the laws. That's how things are going to get better. That's how we're going to have a chance to get to more, uh, you know, equity and opportunity for everybody, regardless of where you live and what your background is. And that's what we're hoping to do. Well, well said, Cliff. I know it excites us to, to be a part of it as well and, and to join you in that cause. So uh, thanks for laying that out. I know you've got another meeting after this, it's, but you said it's not as important as this podcast. So we appreciate you, we appreciate you taking the time. I mean, we canceled. I just want to make sure everybody knows. We, we're supposed to practice today was at 10 to 1. And I'm like, look, they look Dante called. You guys got tomorrow off. Go to the course. That's it. Hit them straight. You know what I mean? Stay away from the Gators. Come on. See you on uh, see you Tuesday. That was uh, it. That would be the day. That would be the day. <laughs> well, we appreciate it. Great to catch up with you. Good luck with the scrimmages and the rest of the way, Cliff. All right. Good to see you guys. Bye, right, That'll do it for this edition of Magic Pod Squad presented by Kia. This podcast has been presented to you by the all-new Seltos SUV from Kia, official vehicle of the Orlando Magic. Give it everything. We'll see you next time.